This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer for a Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Jessica Berglund, Senior Manager, Field Prevention Services at WorkSafe BC, will join us in studio to talk about asbestos. What is it? How dangerous is it? What do we do if we suspect we have asbestos in our homes? Lots of good information coming right up. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And a new survey from Sun Life Financial suggests half of Canadians, four. 47% of us working today are afraid we might outlive our retirement savings. The results published this week also found three of four of working Canadians don't have a financial plan. 44% of Canadians expect to be full-time workers at the age of 66. It found two-thirds of people who worked past 66 did so because they needed the income. Only 35% said they did so because they just wanted to work. They weren't done yet. Over the past two decades, the average retirement age in Canada has increased, according to StatsCan. The average age for workers was 64 in 2017, 61 in the late 1990s. Meanwhile, the percentage of workers aged 60 and over has nearly doubled in that period, from 14 to 27 percent. Sunlight offered some advice for Canadians to prepare for retirement now so they don't have to work when they're older. Here are some of their tips. Work with an advisor to manage your finances and save for the future maximizing your savings through enrollment and matching contributions from employers, or take steps now, whether they're big or small, to put money aside for savings. Even after last December's storm, you know, the one they called the worst windstorm in our history, and with snow in next week's forecast, BC Hydro says that many British Columbians are unprepared, saying last year nearly 750,000 of us experienced power outages, and in some areas, people were without power for more than 72 hours. Even after all that, however, Hydro says many, as a quote, many British Columbians remain unprepared for storm-related power outages, close quote. A recent survey from Hydro found the majority, almost 60% of us, who were impacted by last year's weather felt, well, they could have been a little bit more prepared. But despite that, there are many who still haven't taken action. Only half of British Columbians have any kind of emergency preparedness kit. Not to mention, only 12% of those who don't have one say they're actually planning on buying one this year. Hydro explains that nearly half of all power outages that are caused by weather events are more than three hours in length. And so they urge all of us to prepare that emergency kit in event of a storm, consisting of a flashlight kit, extra batteries, first aid kit, any required meds, non-perishable food, bottles, water for each person in your household for 72 hours and obviously warm clothing and blankets in the event of a downed power line and this happens all those trees around here a customer we are told to treat down power lines as an emergency even if it isn't sparking and smoking it's an emergency call 911 the Vancouver Warriors will be kicking off their second lacrosse season at Rogers Arena 
in style. Our friend Rob Williams over at the Daily Hive tells us fans will receive a complimentary beer, a Bud, a Bud Light, or perhaps a non-alcoholic option from 6 to 7 when the Warriors take on the defending National Lacrosse League champion Calgary Roughnecks this coming Friday the 29th. Vancouver's pro lacrosse team is also offering happy hour pricing from 6 till the end of the first quarter. $2 popcorn, $4 hot dogs, $5 beer. First couple of thousand fans get a toque. The Warriors also announce some other fun twists for next season. Beach parties, dodgeball tournaments, all sorts of stuff. And lacrosse at Rogers Arena this season? Sounds like it's going to be fun. Game on this coming Friday the 29th. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a few more later in the hour for you too. But coming right up is Jessica Berglund from WorkSafe BC here to talk to us today about asbestos. Lots of really useful information coming your way right after this time out on Vancouver Consumer here on CK NW. Welcome back to the program for a dark Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a real pleasure to welcome Jessica Berglund, Field Prevention Services Senior Manager from WorkSafe BC, to our studios. Hi, Jessica. Good afternoon. It's great of you to uh, to have uh, to join us on, on a Saturday afternoon. We very much appreciate your being with us. We're here to talk about asbestos, but before we get into the nuts and bolts of all that, uh, your card says Senior Manager Prevention Field Services. I suspect that goes well beyond the range of asbestos, which is the focus of our conversation today. What do you do? Absolutely. So I am one of two senior managers with the responsibility to oversee over 300 occupational safety and hygiene officers throughout the province. We have them all the way from Lower Mainland up to Fort St. John, and they are responsible, these officers, for going out inspecting every single workplace in British Columbia. Ah, okay. And are you the people who respond, for example, if I'm just a passerby and I'm passing by a, a job site and I see some misbehavior or whatever, irregularities that's really glaring, and I want to call somebody, I'm not going to call 911. They don't want to hear from me. So is it WorkSafe BC? Is that where the call should go? Yes, it is. We have a 24-hour hotline that members of the public or anyone can use to call in to report what they think is an occupational health and safety violation. So we commonly get calls from members of the public who see workers, for example, working at heights over 10 feet, doing roofing jobs or construction jobs, and they're not wearing any form of fall protection harness, they're not tied off, there aren't guardrails on the buildings. So members of the public can phone that in to our hotline and one of our prevention officers will be dispatched to look into the look into that situation. Okay, and typically though, as by way of response, when the, the officer arrives on the scene to these untethered roofers, is it a simple question of saying, guys, come on, tie up or leave? Is well, that what it, what it boils down to? Absolutely depends. In some cases, it may just be a momentary oversight sure. by the employer exactly. or the worker. They're not tied off, but all the gear is on site and it's just a matter of pulling the workers off the roof, having them tie off, having them get connected and get back to work. In other cases, when the officer arrives, it becomes pretty quickly quite clear that there's just a general lack of compliance mm-hmm. or culture of non-compliance Different on that ball game, right? Yeah. And at that point, our officers do have the authority to completely stop work at the work site. They will issue 
what are called compliance or violation orders under the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation. And if the circumstances merit it, they can then proceed to take further enforcement action from anything from an administrative penalty. Or it's, it's a fine, basically, up to an injunction or even prosecution. Interesting. And I should point out, friends, that my guest is not only a senior manager with uh, WorkSafe BC, she's also a lawyer. So uh, gets the part about, well, you, oh, yeah? <laughs> that, that happens. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a fair bit, too. Yes. And we operate in, we're in a legal environment. We're enforcing the Workers' Compensation Act and the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation, which are the laws of our province. Now, let's talk about asbestos, because this is something that you do at WorkSafe BC quite religiously. Every spring and fall, there's an asbestos information campaign. We had one of your colleagues, uh, Steve Penner, join us a few months ago in the spring. Uh, and, and and basically, it's your turn now. And it's nice of you to join us. We so appreciate your coming in, too. But let's talk about asbestos and why, Jessica, it is so critical for WorkSafe BC to conduct this information so frequently. Well, we've been doing this for a number of years now, doing yes. these twice a year camp- information campaigns and awareness campaigns. And it's asbestos exposure. It's the number one killer of workers in British Columbia. So in 2018, about 36% of all the work-related deaths in the province were related to asbestos exposure. So that's 47 workers last year died as a result of asbestos. But that's something, can I just interrupt you? That's not something that happens because you were on a work site one day and inhaled no. a blast of asbestos. That's something that's, that takes a long time, doesn't it? Yes, so asbestos exposure usually takes, illness resulting from that usually can take anywhere up to 30 years mm-hmm. to develop. So mm-hmm. it's something that you were exposed to 20, 10 to 20 to 40 years ago. And what happens is that although there is absolutely no tolerable or acceptable limit of asbestos to be exposed to, the reality is that the workers we see developing asbestos-related diseases, such as mesothelioma Mm -hmm. or asbestosis, are those who were exposed to it frequently or regularly as part of their jobs. So we do see workers now who were working in industries or in the trades back in the 70s and the 80s and and this is it's finally caught up to them now is it safe to assume though jessica that in 2019 workers are less likely to be exposed to asbestos in the conduct of their jobs than they were in the 80s for example well in in 2018 federally across canada the import and sale and trade in asbestos was completely banned right but even earlier Although than that... Although we continue to export it to customers around the I, world. I think in 2018, the export was stopped as well. well although that would be nice. Are, although there are certain exemptions, I know, federally under the, uh, under the legislation. But around 1990, the use of asbestos in building materials was stopped. Yes. And before that, it was used in in thousands of building materials. And that is where we come in today, primarily in that a lot of the renovation and demolition that's occurring of homes in BC that were built before 1990, that's releasing all of those asbestos fibers into the air that until now have been kept intact and haven't been, cause, haven't been a hazard to, to, the, to individuals. So if you live in a home built before 1990, 
there's a darn good chance you have asbestos in your home. Yes, you can almost assume that there is asbestos somewhere in the materials in your home. Where is it most likely to be found? Let's assume that it's older than an 80s home. Let's assume this is a house built in the 50s or the 60s, so it's pretty much guaranteed to have yeah. asbestos. Where would we find it? So let's start up in the attic. All the loose-blown insulation in your attic, that vermiculite, that light, fluffy, or you know, the popcorny vermiculite that's in your attic, that contains asbestos. It is in. It can be in the gutters. Uh, many gutters were made with asbestos cement. Uh, vinyl flooring, the, oh, the, okay. in, the backing under your vinyl floor in your kitchen, the um, the duct, the drywall tape that that that's that was used until 1990. Mm-hmm. And then think about those ever-present textured or stipple-coated ceilings, yes. those popcorn ceilings. Yep. Those more likely than not do contain asbestos. So those, and, and I mean, again, if your home was built in the 60s, you've definitely got a textured ceiling of one description or another going on in probably more than one room as well. So as it stands, as you live in your house with all of these asbestos-laden ingredients mm-hmm. involved, is it okay as long as you're not aggravating the asbestos? I mean, the fact that you've got this crazy old roof that's loaded with asbestos in your in your living room uh, isn't damaging or harmful to you as long as you don't mess with it, right? That's correct. And I think that's a very important point to highlight because we do get a lot of concerned individuals who will call us after these programs or our, our campaigns and say, oh my God, I'm living in a house that's got it's asbestos. Killing me. It's killing me. Yeah, right. And th- we assure them and say, as long as you don't disturb or start scraping or removing that asbestos, because it's that activity that releases these small microscopic fibers into the air. As long as you're not doing that, you're fine. Well, of course, uh, with house prices going through the stratosphere as they have in this metro Vancouver area for the past few years, a lot of people have decided, you know, it's probably going to be smarter and maybe even more fun to just renovate. We actually like where we live. We just want to spiff the place up a little bit. So, you know, we're kind of DIY people. We'll just uh, we'll just do it ourselves. Take a take a year or two, and 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 they start to chip away at the walls, the floors, and all that kind of stuff. That's the big mistake, isn't it? Yes, it is. And of, of course, everyone is allowed to do whatever they want inside their own home, I mean, subject to building permits and city bylaws. But we really discourage homeowners from taking on the work of removing asbestos-containing materials themselves because it really is not good for your health and it's not good to be breathing in these fibers or exposing your family Think about having young children in your home while you're doing the renovation work, breathing in these fibers. I have a family member who's in the restoration business, you know, fire floods and all of that kind of stuff. And he had to take a course on how to deal with asbestos in in facilities. And he has special suits and breathing devices and all sorts of things. Uh, And uh, filled me in a little bit on on what that was like. But uh, so the uh, is, I suppose then, if you can't do it yourself because it's just too darn dangerous, Jessica, how much does it cost to have the pros come in and do it? Is it going to break the bank? That's what people worry about, right? Yeah, and it's not cheap. And I know the temptation would be to do it yourself, but we're looking at um, um, it's going to be a few thousand dollars for the first step, which is to have the, the sources of asbestos in your home identified by a qualified professional. Okay. And then it's going to cost, you know, 
20,000 plus if you're trying to remove the asbestos from a 1500 square foot home. So it isn't, it is something that should definitely be added to the cost of the project whenever you're thinking about a renovation project that you want to do. So that's that's a part of the process then. If you're actually going through and we're close to New Year's resolution yes, season yes. here, you know, people are going to say, well, 2020 is going to be the year. We're going to spiff up the joint and turn it into something like you. We, we've always wanted. Okay. Part of that process involves estimates. How much is it going to cost to redo the bathroom, to gut the kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to bring in professional consultants who will tell you prices. So part of that process has to be an asbestos inspection. Are, is, do you provide that at WorkSafe BC or are there private providers? We don't, but we work closely with an as- association called the Hazardous Materials Association of BC. Right. They have a website, hazmatbc.ca, and they have a list of approved contractors who have been properly trained and who are qualified to do the work both of identifying and removing the asbestos from your home. Okay, so you were saying that there, and you broke it down into two phases. There's a consulting, uh, a professional walks through your home, identifies the asbestos location in your home, and then gives you a quote on what it would be likely to cost you to have all of that removed. Correct. The, the asbestos abatement removal company would be the ones who would offer you the quote. That first party who identifies the asbestos, they will issue your report telling you where the asbestos is right, in your yeah, home, yeah. which then you take and provide to the contractor who's going to do the work who remove of removing that asbestos. But keep in mind, if you have retained a general contractor to assist you in your renovation project, a reputable general contractor will take this responsibility on and make sure that all the required steps are followed to both identify and safely remove the asbestos. Oh, well, let's approach that from a slightly different angle. If you're looking around for renovation input from professionals, contractors, and the like, and you have conversations with contractors about this, and the matter of asbestos does not come up in the conversation, perhaps you've selected the wrong contractor because that should be a part of the conversation, typically, wouldn't it? Absolutely, it should be, but I think there's often a tendency to assume that the contractor is the professional and they're in the business, and if they haven't brought it up, then maybe it's not actually a problem. So as a homeowner, realize that it is a problem, and like you just said, bring it up with the contractor even if they do not bring it up. Because keep in mind that that contractor may potentially be exposing their own workers to the hazards of asbestos. And you use the expression hazmat, and that's what yep. my family member called it, the training program that he went through. I've got yep. the hazmat certificate now. Exactly. He's very proud yep. of it, too. So the idea is, though, that if you live in any kind of residence built before 1990, there's a darn good likelihood you're living with asbestos to one extent or another. That's a safe assumption, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And if you intend to do anything where you live, uh, then you would have to factor the asbestos reality into whatever kind of changes you're contemplating. Yes, and we have a lot of good information available on our website, thinkasbestos.com, a lot of FAQs and uh, other good information for homeowners if you're going down that path. Okay, so now there are two uh, websites for WorkSafe BC. And if you go to WorkSafe BC, uh, that will give you the corporate site yes. and, and uh, the you know how to register a, a complaint or whatever. That's one site. But that you also have wisely uh, dedicated a whole other website to the matter of asbestos and all of the important information 
information we need to know, and that's just called Think Asbestos. Dot com? Yes, it is. Okay. So there you go. Thinkasbestos.com. Our guest in studio is from WorkSafe BC. She is their senior manager for uh, field prevention services. She is Jessica Berglund. And we're going to open up our phone lines, uh, 604-280-9898, and talk about asbestos lots more after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on a Saturday afternoon. Jessica Berglund, Senior Manager, Field Prevention Services with WorkSafe BC, is here to talk to us about asbestos. And Jennifer, I'm sorry, Jessica was telling me during the news that uh, you're frequently in the office context, you're just at your desk and they put a call through to you. Take a lot of calls from homeowners in the course of a work day. What do people who call you randomly want to know about asbestos? Well, Sterling, the main type of calls we get are homeowners who may have a next-door neighbor who's doing some significant renovation work on their property. Mm -hmm. And they will call us because they are frustrated that no one seems to be stopping the work from happening. Often these, these callers have some experience themselves in the trades or may have worked previously in the asbestos industry. And now they believe that they are seeing other new workers being exposed to asbestos. And uh, the, uh, as you mentioned earlier, when a call comes through and there is a, a, some kind of malfeasance being uh, alleged, then an inspector is sent out. Absolutely. And we, what the inspector will do, or the prevention officer, as we call them, they will attend the site and they will immediately stop work if the, the homeowner or the general contractor on site can't produce evidence that either a, um, asbestos survey report has been done or if, they're, if they see that the asbestos is being unsafely removed. Having said that, there comes a point where we, we, once we've stopped the work um, and everything is now in place, reports and so on, then we will allow the work to continue. But that doesn't always stop the next door neighbors from having ongoing concerns Fair about enough. that work. And how at risk is that next door neighbor, Jessica, when all this stuff's going on? Again, I think the main fear with asbestos is that we don't know how much asbestos is needed to result in illness. Okay. So I think that is what puts everyone a little more on edge when it comes to asbestos. Uh, Last week, there was an incident in the news that uh, was taking place in a residential neighborhood in Vancouver. Again, a number of neighbors were concerned about renovation, demolition work that was going on in their neighborhood. And we fielded a number of calls around that because people are just scared and rightfully so of, of themselves or their families breathing in these fibers. You said your uh, 300-odd officers uh, province-wide over the course of any given year conduct at least 40,000 inspections. Of that number, Jessica, what percentage uh, is related specifically to asbestos? Well, in 2018, our officers throughout BC conducted over 3,300 asbestos-related inspections. So that's slightly less than 10% of those total inspections. And a lot of that would have been related to residential construction. And as a result of those inspections, they issued almost 2,000 violation orders and issued 70 fines or penalties to various uh, workplace parties. 
What would a fine represent? What's uh, talk to us about an amount involved typically? So fines are based on a an employer's payroll. So a fine can range anywhere from about twenty five hundred dollars for an asbestos violation up to if you had an extremely large company, we top out at about six hundred thousand. Oh my! But we see a lot of asbestos violations in the range of fifty to one hundred thousand, and if an abatement contractor has received one asbestos related penalty and they get another one, there's an instant multipl- multiplier. So we have had, especially in the lower mainland, some repeat, frequent, b- repeat offenders. Yes, who have had several hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. Are these people uh, traceable? In other words, if I'm looking to do some renos uh, after New Year's, it's the big year, and I'm going to start looking around for professionals to bring in, and I'm a Google person. So are, if, if, if a contractor has been fined, caught and fined, especially multiple times, is that traceable anywhere? Yes. So if you go to our worksafebc.com website, we have a couple of pages. One is for that one explains all the fines that have been issued to any employer in BC. So you can, I think you can do a name search through that link. Okay. The second one is we also have a page which talks about court injunctions that have been issued against these contractors, which essentially is stopping them from doing work completely. That is also searchable on our website. So the information is all there and easily, easily accessible. Renovations are not as expensive as buying a new home, but they ain't cheap either, are they? So again, this is a project, a massive project involving a lot of money. And I would suspect a fair bit of homework is required, especially just on the asbestos file alone, right? Yes, it is. Let's uh, take some calls here as we go forward. We open up the phone line, 604-280-9898. Ed in Vancouver, welcome. Hi, Sterling. Hi. I'm guest. I, I, I've worked doing some demo when I was younger, and my God, I can't think of the number of times that I was tearing down lath and plaster walls and, and this prop, the problem with the asbestos, with lead, everything else. And thank God I'm, I'm 60 this year, no breathing issues, but I know people who've been in the industries, building industries, We've got silicosis. They've got problems because they were sucking all that bad air. Yeah. And and I, what's the difference between renovating and tearing down an old home? I see old homes torn down, and I don't see a lot of breathing apparatuses. I don't see any real caution being taken for the workers and the neighborhood. What? How is that okay to tear an old home down? Just a bit of water is all they ever seem to do to try to keep the uh, dust down. Excellent question, Ed. Thanks very much for the call. You see it. You can knock a house down, Jessica, in an afternoon. It took months to build the darn thing, but when it's time to knock it down, away it goes in a matter of hours, and sometimes it looks kind of haphazard. Yes, and that is an ongoing problem. And the problem is sometimes the houses are knocked down so quickly that no one, whether it's the city or the municipality or WorkSafe BC, has time to respond. Exactly. But there is a requirement under our regulation that if you're going to do any demolition, and even if there's no chance of asbestos being present, you do have to ensure that a survey is done to lo- to identify all hazardous materials, whether that's lead, 
asbestos or anything else. So that is a legal requirement. Of any demolition. Yes. Interesting stuff. So, but Ed uh, points out, as uh, we've talked about earlier, because you were talking about next door neighbors calling when something's going on and they're worried about their health concerns, how when a, an entire house comes crashing down by the pros in, in two or three hours, how at risk again are the next door neighbors? Well, we need to assume then in, in those cases in the best case scenario, there is no risk if all the adequate precautions have been taken and the hazardous materials have been removed before the demolition occurs. Right. If those precautions have not been taken, then it is, again, it's a question mark because we just don't know how much is too much or the amounts needed to, to, cause, a, to cause a risk. And, and so then uh, that's, you have to err on the side of caution yes. then. So, okay, then, uh, again, I'm just trying to repeat the processes because it's so important, Jessica, that we get the, the chronology correct. If you, first is the idea, okay, we're going to do something with the old joint, and then the budget comes out, and how much can we afford? And out of that has to be subtracted or set aside the asbestos component, which is going to cost you a couple of thousand bucks for a professional inspection, and then X thousand dollars for professional uh, complete removal. That has to be part of the budget. All of that has to be part of the budget, yes. So really what we encourage homeowners to do is to follow really two simple steps. One is to make sure you have the asbestos identified. And the second step is to ensure that it is safely removed and subsequently safely disposed of. And if you hire a reputable, qualified asbestos abatement removal expert, they will then take that next necessary step, which is to ensure that the asbestos is not dumped at the side of the road somewhere in a farm, in a field in Richmond, but it's actually taken to the appropriate landfill and properly disposed of there. Okay, and uh, the average homeowner, probably not familiar in a big way with uh, asbestos-trained professionals and so on. Where's the list? Do you have that list or uh, WorkSafe BC? We do not have the list, but where we send anyone who calls us or even... what I'm going to tell you about now, again, is the Hazardous Materials Association of BC. Hazmat people, right. Hazmatbc.ca. And make sure when you go online that there are other organizations with uh, similar names online. So it's hazmatbc.ca. And there is a tab on that page for... for contractors that they recommend. Asbestos kills about 70 British Columbians every year. We're doing something to stop it, is the message at the top side of the homepage of the Hazardous Materials Association. They're on this, aren't they? They are. And we want the message we want to send to the homeowners of British Columbia is, although WorkSafe BC is out there ensuring the health and safety of the workers of British Columbia... Everyone has a shared responsibility and homeowners can do their part by looking after the asbestos that's in their homes. Is it a crime? You're a lawyer. Is it a crime not to? In other words, I'm just going to do it my way and I don't care what anybody says and, uh, you know, they can just all buzz off and and I'm going to ignore all of the health and safety practical stuff because I'm just above all that. Is that a crime? Well, a a crime is a strong word. It would be an offense under the Workers' Compensation Act. This is why I asked the lawyer, you see. An an offense 
you under the Workers' Compensation Act, homeowners, if you're acting as the uh, your own general contractor, you would be considered an owner, which gives you certain responsibilities under that act. Right. And as an owner, you have that obligation to ensure that people, workers coming onto your site, are aware of the hazards. And asbestos is a hazard. And if you choose to ignore it, but you know that it might be there, yes, that is an offense. Okay, and punishable by the fines that you've already described. Now, I would imagine uh, a first-time offender who's who's just a little too independent-minded for City Hall uh, is not going to get whacked to the tune of six figures or anything like that. No, but they are going to... You will find that if you're a homeowner and you choose to ignore the regulation, that we will come in and we will stop the work, which will then lead to added costs for your project because... Trades that you may have hired to come in and do work on your on your demolition or renovation are now going to be waiting until you've gone back and taken those necessary steps to identify and remove the asbestos. When uh, one of these contractors, back again to the, you know the steps in putting together the renovation or the improvement that you're planning to do to your home, you, you must set aside a, a certain amount of money for a professional inspector to come in and give your place the official very thorough once over. That person will, as part of that function, write a report, correct? Correct. Okay, so then you have a detailed report of exactly what you've got, and based on that, then you can cost it out. That's exactly right. And then after the asbestos has been removed, there's a follow-up report that uh, verifies that the materials, the asbestos was safely removed. So you've got that at the end of the job, too, and you can uh, rest assured that everything was properly removed. Just a curiosity question. You were talking about a proper removal, not dumped in some field out in Richmond somewhere, but proper removal. Where do they take asbestos, Jessica? There are uh, some designated facilities, and it depends on the municipality, but there are drywall recycling facilities, and that, again, depends on which municipality you're in. Okay, and that, uh, they're all supervised, and that's where it's the only place it's supposed to go. That's correct. And keep in mind, WorkSafe BC also works very closely with a number of municipalities because we recognize that we have a shared interest in ensuring that the asbestos is properly handled all the way from being removed from a house until it is disposed of. And, and as far as contractors go, and again, this is all just sorting out all, all the details. When you and undertake a home renovation, it's, it doesn't take long to figure out, my gosh, this is a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. If the general contractor talks to you about asbestos as part of the, you know, we'd like to do this to the kitchen and this to the bathroom, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, you know, you're going to have to have your asbestos removed. That should be part of that first conversation with that general contractor. It, it should be, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, many, there are general contractors who won't, who may gloss over that or not um, ensure that that's being done. So please, uh, we appeal to homeowners to initiate that conversation yourself. And is it possible that the general contractor, after discussing asbestos and its removal from your home, will subcontract that aspect of the job to a, a professional hazmat type company? Yes, Okay, that's likely then. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. So uh, a couple of websites for your consideration here, friends. WorkSafeBC.com is, of course, the corporate site where you can get all the information about everything you do. And, Jessica, that goes on for days. But the one that we're talking about today is ThinkAsbestos.com. And there's lots of terrific information for the homeowner on that site. Yes, there is, including some very good informational videos and lots of good uh, pamphlets and brochures on what asbestos is, 
how it co- what diseases it causes, and then, of course, all those important steps that homeowners need to take. And final question to you, is there a general information line, which sometimes I guess you answer, uh, it, it, as a backup? Okay, uh, WorkSafe BC's got your back here. Uh, I'm, I've hit a void in my knowledge. I need some information about asbestos before I carry out this program. Can I call you? Yes, there is. There is. We have a 24-hour line. Perfect. And um, right now I only have the Lower Mainland number. We could, we could look up the 1-800 number, but it's 604-276-3100. Okay. That phone line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we have uh, a group of call takers who will ask, ask the caller a number of questions, ask for the address of where you think a violation is taking place. And depending on the level of severity of that violation, we will dispatch an officer immediately or within a couple of hours to that site. 604-271-3100. My mistake, 604-276-3100. Lots more information, including all the right phone numbers at thinkasbestos.com. Jessica Berglund, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for giving up a little of your Saturday afternoon to get us a little closer to being up to speed on asbestos. It's terribly important stuff. Thank you very much, Sterling. My pleasure. We're back after this. Once again, our thanks to Jessica Berglund, Field Prevention Services Senior Manager at WorkSafe BC, for a very informative visit. Next week, John Carlson returns with his year-end review of Metro Vancouver Real Estate. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time, our producer Ben Dooley has an update on Vancouver's plastic ban. Thanks, Sterling. Vancouver City Council is set to review the rollout for its single-use plastic ban next Wednesday. It's part of the city's single-use item waste reduction strategy approved last summer. A staff report to council recommends banning plastic and compostable plastic straws by Earth Day 2020, though recommends a one-year exemption for bubble tea straws. However, recommends that paper-wrapped, accessible, bendable straws be available for people who ask for them. The report then envisions a second phase of regulation, which would roll out on January 1st, 2021. Phase 2 would include a 25-cent fee for disposable cups and require disposable utensils to be available by request only. It would also ban plastic shopping bags and require paper bags to be made from 40% recycled content. Here's Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young. We want to make change in a way that changes the behavior is good for the environment, but also is not detrimental to our business. So that's something I want to hear more about. The report recommends a 15 cent fee for paper bags and a $1 fee for reusable bags, which would increase to 25 cents and $2 after one year. And it recommends the city work with marginalized groups to identify potential negative impacts of the new regulations. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Those Star Metro free daily newspapers found on street corners and city buses all across the country will be disappearing as the holidays approach. Tour Star Corporation is ceasing publication of those print editions of Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, and Halifax Star Metro papers. Effective December 20th, we're going digital only outside of Ontario. The uh, uh, volume of advertising has dropped to the point where it's just not profitable anymore, and Tour Star lost $40 million in the third quarter alone this year. And finally, a reminder, the Santa Claus Parade is a week from tomorrow. Come out for some family fun at the 16th annual TELUS Presents the Vancouver Santa Claus Parade, featuring more than 40 marching bands, choirs, floats, and community groups. The festivities begin at the Hotel Vancouver with Breakfast with Santa and two hours of 
free family activities at Christmas Square, which will be in front of the art gallery. After the parade, families can head to the Telus Garden on West Georgia for free photos with Santa in the afternoon. The parade start will uh, parade rather will start at noon one week from tomorrow at West Georgia and Broughton. Lots of time to make plans, dress warmly, bring your rain gear, and a posse of your family and friends. That is next Sunday. That is it for Vancouver Consumer for this Saturday. Produced by Ben Dooley, Andrew Ferreira at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.